Greedo, it's time. Hey, Tiny, you're gonna clean his windshield? <laughs> the fastest pit stop I've ever seen. It was a great stop, but he's still got to beat that race car out. It's going to be close. G'day, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Q3 podcast. I am Ben Pascuzzi. I'm joined by James Worth, as always. James, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad for a Monday. Your voice is um, your voice is very um. Let's say I'm not, I'm not sure the word. I'm too I'm too tired to describe the word, but you sound very lost. tired. Lost. There you go. It's lost. That's the it's one, croaky, yeah. whatever. But anyway. We're here for the pit stop edition of the Q3 podcast. We're going to look a little bit of a uh, wash up from the Canadian GP. Talk some talking points um, from the just the week in the world of Formula One. Of course, leading into the French, the uh, French Grand Prix. I was going to say French Open, as in the tennis, but now the French Grand Prix is going to take place on Sunday, and it, that kicks off three Formula One Grand Prix in a row. Oofed. Which is fantastic. Oofed. Don't you love that? It's fantastic. Uh, so anyway, we're going to kick things off with the wash-up from the Canadian Grand Prix. <laughs> All right, James. So first up, I think it's fair to say it was a pretty boring race. So Yeah, it wasn't too flash. It's continued to be slammed by the public. Um, what is this... Are we expecting... I guess a better race to come in France or one hundred percent. But I mean, in Canada, like what? Because it's it's such a good racetrack that there can be so many overtakes that can take place on that track. But, but it didn't happen. Yeah. So what what needs to happen? What what are your thoughts of the reasoning why there weren't any overtakes? Uh, like I think we discussed it last week though. Like it's the aerodynamics of the front wing. It's the whole car, like the airflow through the car. It's yeah, we 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 understand that. But That's why. just in particular for the Canadian Grand Prix, because yes, I know Monaco, it's obviously impossible to pass, but we have seen some great races this season in terms of tactics and all that. Are teams just becoming, I guess, uh, accepting of their race placing at that particular stage, like early on in the race, and they're just saying, all right, that's it. We're going to finish in that particular spot, and therefore they're not going to try any tactics or never. How much of an effect does the team's strategies and tactics have on it? Because... I feel they're just getting complacent and they're not, I guess, taking a gamble, you know, like with two stops or three stop strategies, um, whatever they want. Yep. But they're all just going on one stop and that's it, trying to run their tyres. What do you think? Look, I think, I, I reckon that they're getting a bit fed up because, I mean, it's happening every single week. They're not like, there's not an excessive amount of overtakes. We're not seeing like, you know how we saw, uh, it was Sebastian Vettel or, no, it was Mark Webber. Uh, started from the back of the grid how many years ago and he finished like third or something like that. We're not seeing that these days. Um, The cars are becoming way too predictable. You can see who's going to finish first, who's going to finish second. Uh, The only real rivalry and competition we're seeing is Mercedes and Ferrari. Like, everything else is like, "Eh, yeah, we kind of know where we're going to be. You know what I mean? And we're like, if you can, you know, just say, oh, yeah, Red Bull will finish 
you know, fourth, whatever. Like, we're generally right, if you know what I mean. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think they're, they are accepting it because it's just like, hey, this is what Formula One is these days. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not generally a fan of it either. Yeah. You? As I said, I think, uh, obviously, yes, the cars play a part, but the fact that teams are just accepting of these positions, not really taking a gamble. They're I giving think, up. Exactly. So I think we do need to lay some blame to these teams as well, particularly like even like Mercedes, Rebel and Ferrari. Like obviously they're going to finish where they are, but they're just they're, you don't see them obviously push anymore. You don't see them try different strategies on tyres and whatnot. Red Bull are probably the only ones who do do that, and they have been successful in the past and obviously unsuccessful. But it's a gamble I feel some teams have to take. But look, at the end of the day, like you said, the cars do play a major part, and obviously we'll get into those new aerodynamic regulations later on in the podcast. But just finally on one um, final talking point from the Canadian Grand Prix, yep. Kimi Raikkonen. Now, his seat is definitely going to be one for the taking potentially next season because... Potentially? No, definitely. All right, there we go. Definitely. But anyway, he had another poor weekend in Canada despite, of course, his teammate getting pole and winning the race. So Kimi Raikkonen at the moment, he's sitting fifth in the driver's standings. He is sitting on 68 points. He is 16 points behind Red Bull's Daniel Ricciardo. So... Yep. In a Ferrari car, which is clearly better than a Red Bull car, you do not want to be finishing behind them, particularly in the standings. But anyway, of course, in Canada, Kimi Raikkonen finishing outside the top three. He finished in sixth place, almost 30 seconds behind his teammates. So not really convincing. And then he's pretty much holding his team from taking the constructors' lead. Mercedes are in front, 206 points. Ferrari, 189 so, with that being said, question I put to you, James, is, is it all but certain that if he will retire or Ferrari will move him on, firstly, what, which one of the, those two will happen? Will he retire or will Ferrari he move will on? Retire, a he will retire. I get really, I'm going to be honest, I'm getting really fed up with this sort of crap. Like, people saying, like, oh, yeah, he needs to be shown the door. He's a horrible race. He's finished sixth. He finished sixth. Like, that's not bad. We, we've seen for Ferrari worse. for Ferrari's expectations. Yeah, it's bad. but I mean, it's Kimi Raikkonen. Like, let's be honest, six is bad. That's terrible for a Ferrari car. That's clearly better than Mercedes. For Red Bull Sebastian standards Vettel, in 2010, six was bad. It still happened. They had to accept it. They didn't show anyone the door. I think what you got to like say a sixth place for um, what what do you call it? Sauber? How great is that? Amazing. Yeah, six Ferrari, not great. We need to compete in the car. So I, I don't think you can call six. I think place they great. need to lower their standards. Ferrari, are you kidding? They're competing for a world championship. Okay, Mercedes, would they have been happy with the sixth place? No. There you go. Ferrari is competing with Mercedes. If they want to be competing with Mercedes, they need to be aiming higher than sixth place. But I mean, and this is this is the reason why I'm saying it's one result. Like they're not going to like say. Yeah, but it's oh, been I'm... consistent. He's consistently performing bad. Anyway, I think um, it's his last year. Let him finish the season out. He's a champion. Yeah, that that's the question I'm asking. Are they going to show him the door at the end no. of the year, or is he going to retire? He's going to retire. If he doesn't retire, will they show him the door? Yes. There you go. So he's going either way. Of course he is. Like, it was his... In Melbourne, when we saw in Melbourne, like, you and me were there, saw the podium finish. He was, like, cheering the crowd like it was his last goodbye. Literally, like, mm. he stayed out there for a little bit, waved to everyone, left, and then came back out and waved to everyone, and then went back. Yeah. I think regardless of whether he retires or not, he's done it for a 
mean, the passion's clearly not there. F1's done his for pace, him. His pace isn't there anymore. It's just, it's not looking good for Kimi, particularly for a team who should be ahead of Mercedes at this stage of the season. They've been far better than them, particularly with the performances of Sebastian Vettel. So it's been very disappointing from Kimi, but anyway, yep. that's another, we'll, we'll probably be talking about that for a lot more times throughout the season. A lot more. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to get to some talking points through the week of the world in Formula One. All right, so one of the major ones is the new aero specifications have been confirmed. So obviously they've made it less; they made the front wing less complex. They've widened the rear wing, and they've taken a whole lot of yep. more aerodynamics out of the car. So to put like it simply, to put it to put it really simply, to I guess your non-traditional F1 fan, that's what they've done. Simplified it. No more high-tech aerodynamic um, forces, which allow a whole of a lot of downforce to be made on the car. The cars will be slower, though. One and a half seconds slower per lap on average is what they're predicting. However, what that means is because of the less downforce and drag and dirty air that is caused by these new cars, yep. it's going to see closer racing and tighter racing. That's what you want, though. What are our thoughts? Are we liking it? Or I mean, we is, discussed is it because this. Is it because the now that... Yeah, obviously we did discuss it last week, but now it's being confirmed. So, do we? Are we going to see? Are we going to be disappointed in the fact that cars aren't that these cars aren't going to be breaking records like we did see this year, and they're still doing it because of how quick they're going? No, I'm happy with this. I like it. Um, we discussed this. When was it? Last Monday. Yep. Um, and we were. And we. Had, what was it? We had a debate whether it would be. The cars would be slower, or they would. Because um, I, I, I brought up that they should bring back uh, fuel stops. That's it. And then you were with full, and then you were with fuel stops, and I was saying they should be slower. Yeah. Um, victory. That you prefer victory on my. You, you, I'm I, already, I already knew it was a victory. We already knew. <laughs> I said, which one would you prefer? Yeah. No. And I still probably prefer the fuel stops, but yeah, yeah. Uh, look, after a week to reflect, I don't know. I don't mind these, but I just don't like seeing the cars become slower. I don't know. I want if there's I mean, a way if there's a way to make them still quick and no dirty air behind, I'm all for it. There will be a way. They'll, they'll find a they'll way. They'll find a way. So I don't know. I think that I still think they should have talked to the engineers and talked to the drivers and stuff, got their opinions. I don't like it how they've just gone by themselves and done it. I guess I don't like that process. Because I say the idea. I like the idea because obviously we all want to see closer racing. But I don't know. Those are just my thoughts. I'm not too sure about that. The French Grand Prix layout. Has been confirmed now. It has. Obviously, is that, is that the um, track that we were talking about? That the is exact, the track. Yes, that's I like the exact it. one. So it has been confirmed. Obviously, because the French Grand Prix takes place this Sunday, we're liking it so far. Like obviously, there's that long straight. You can go into a little more detail now, James, about yeah. just driving this track. Okay. So um, I think we should put something on our socials for people to actually refer to this. Um, it'll be on the Q3 podcast uh, Facebook page. So. Um, we we got a rough photo of it. I believe it was in March or February of what the track was. And this was on all the Facebook groups. And people were just saying like, oh, this is what it's going to be. And then, but the whole thing was it wasn't specific because this track can be a uh, MotoGP track, I believe, a Formula 2 track. Um, so, you know, there's lots of different turns that they can take um, and lots of ways they can modify the track. But the one... Uh, big indica like big, you know, uh, uh, what would you call it? Big like it sticks out like a big sore thumb. Um, it's the back straight. It is 
literally, oh, what would you call it? Um, uh, a tarmac at an airport, maybe. It's very long. I mean, if you... That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, so... Long, longer than the Flemington Strait. Yes. I, those that don't know, it's horse racing. Yeah, Flemington, the... What is it? A four, horse racing track. Yeah, but it's a 1,200 metre straight. Yeah, so 1. it's 1.2... It's the longest, long, one of the longest horse racing... 1.2... No, actually, yeah, one of the longest. Um, mm. 1.2 kilometre straight. So it's... Yeah, we, it's pretty big. And I've had to break it up with a little chicane in the middle. And when I when I saw it, I'm like, oh, you had to ruin it. I mean, I wanted to see some cars flying here, just just you like chuck me. some. That's what I said. Just chuck some wings on there, like you know, so they can just take flight for a couple of seconds. But I like it. I mean, it's good. It should see some good racing. Um, of course. I mean, we've never seen this track before, have we? Yeah, and hopefully, we can see some overtaking. Fingers crossed, we can see some overtaking. I think we but not will. only that. I hope to see some strategies taking place. I think we will, though. I'm being honest. Um, the layout, it's... Oh, hang on. There's a new one. I'm... All right. I'm sorry, everyone. I just... Um, Were you looking at the wrong one? I was looking at one that was... Um, I'm so confused. I'm seeing two here. And the only difference is that the back straight, uh, they've put a chicane in there and another one they haven't. Um, so, I mean, it could be anything. So it's the chicane's there. Okay, the, so all right, it's official. The chicane's there. I don't mind it. I think it needs to break a little bit up, break it up a little bit. There's two DRS zones, obviously. Um, it, well, it was used from 1971 to 1985, so we haven't seen it in quite a while. But yeah, I'm keen. So am I. All right, we'll move on to Red Bull and Renault now. Red Bull's new engine supplier for next season is still yet to be confirmed, and Renault aren't taking their foot off um, in terms of giving Red Bull a deadline. So the deadline was originally in May. Renault have extended it, but they're going. They're not going to wait until the Austrian Grand Prix. So, James, your thoughts: Is Red Bull going to remain with Renault? For next season, as they have for, I think it's since '09, I believe. Yeah, it is. quite a while. It's been a while. Quite a while. Or are they going to switch over to another engine supplier, which is at the moment the favourite is Honda. No, oh, yeah, Honda. Same thing. Sorry, Honda. So, I was just what are you thinking? Are you thinking they're going to stick with Red Bull or Red Bull, Renault or Honda? What's going on? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it could be time for a change. Um, they're not winning. They're not like a big contender for some reason. Um, the engines are, you know, amazingly competitive for what they are. But I think, I don't know, will they slow down if they go to Honda? Yeah. Do you reckon? I don't know, actually. It'll be, it'll be interesting because... I mean, could be going by what McLaren and Honda are doing this year. Because the McLaren's the best chassis, isn't it? Correct. So therefore, Red Bull, won't, Red Bull, Red Bull do have a good chassis, but, it's but not as good as, as McLaren. So no, and if they're they, having the same slower. engine... They're going to be slower. Yeah. I mean, if if you're going to keep contracts with Ricardo and Verstappen, you want something that's, you know, competitive. If, if Ricard, if what's it called? If Red Bull sign with Honda, I think Ricardo, Ricardo will leave. Ricardo would be more inclined to leave. However, yes, McLaren, because Red Bull is still wanting to see how McLaren performs um, with that Honda engine and the reliability, and it's just not there at the moment. So I think their best bet is to stick with Renault. I'm yep. not sure how long the new deal will be, but 
because they're saying in 2021 that's when they're going to move to Aston Martin. Why? How good would that be? Yeah, and that that's pretty much confirmed. So that'll happen. So I think they'll be lightning. Quick. I think anyway for this time anyway they have to stay with Renault. They can't because Renault, the Renault engine in this Red Bull car is proving to be pretty good in terms of competing with Mercedes and Ferrari. They're starting yep. to do it. Um, obviously, they can't contend on those straight line speeds because the Mercedes is just so much quicker than them. But they got to stick with it. They can't. They can't go to Honda. They cannot. Yeah. Honda hasn't proved the consistency and the pace to be able to go into that Red Bull car. And if Red Bull still want to be the best of the rest in turn and continue to compete with Ferrari and Mercedes, it's got to be Renault, doesn't it? I think that's a smart decision. All right. Uh, we talked last week, obviously, about the we did checkered flag uh, incident at the end of the Canadian Grand Prix, which saw the race finish one lap early. Question is, so F1 director Charlie Whiting, he's proposed that there's oh, going to be an bugger. automated checkered flag system, potentially, um, for following, obviously, the debacle in Canada. Yes or no? Do we want to see this happen? Or no. do we want to stick with tradition with the flag waving? No. Stick tradition. Why? So you want to... You want to I mean... The, so do you want to see the potential for last week's kerfuffle It will never again? happen again. How do you know it won't happen again? Mate, it would never happen again. After that, right, they would they would be so... Human sh- error, mate. It can always happen. You cannot tell me 100% that, is, that, it, that it won't happen again. Why are we gonna Why are we gonna put everything up to electronics? Like, do something that's like human powered for once. Yeah, but the thing is, what if I'll say it as I said last week? Say it's between Hamilton and Vettel. Vettel's coming up on Hamilton, and he overtakes him in the final lap, but the checkered flag already waved, and he was able to get him on the lot to the, the actual last lap, but it wouldn't count because the checkered flag went early. Ye- ye- this is this is why. An automated checkered flag system would work because we, we it'd can't be guaranteed. Have nice things. <laughs> yeah, but look, it- why would you want right a little screen at the top of the box? Um, what, what, what's that thing called? The um, race director's box. Yeah. Why would you want a little screen up there showing a checkered flag like you do in every single corner with the yellow flags, right? So then you know I that it's actually you- right. I think they should just keep the person waving the checkered flag and risk getting it wrong again. Oh my god! I just I like because it it's not it's nostalgia. Yeah, but so okay. So next season when the cars are racing quicker, well, uh, c- closer Slower. together. Yeah, but cl- closer together, and then an overtake happens on the actual last lap, but someone <clears> raises the flag early. What's going to happen there? Are you going to change your mind there or not? No, you're going to stick it to the same. I'm sticking the same. Yeah. So say it costs Ricardo a race. I mean, that's racing for you. That's racing. That's racing. Nah. It but, like, let's be real, right? That, that, that wouldn't happen... Like, we didn't have that in, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Like, you know, anything could have happened, mm. right? Exactly. But what I'm saying is you can't, like, you know, do, like, everything's going to be absolutely perfect. You know what I mean? Like, racing... But you can make it as close to perfect as possible. Exactly, but I don't... And nah. an automated checkered flag system would be able to do that. No, I don't... Yeah, I'm not... No, nah, do not approve. So you prefer to have the risk and yep. cost, cost someone a race. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want that. Anyway, and finally, Fernando Alonso. He has got two crowns in the Triple Crown. Uh, he won the Le Mans 24 hours overnight. He won it with two Formula, former Formula 1 drivers in Nakashima and Sebastian Buemi. So, Oh, my God, Buemi. 
Yeah, you remember him? God, mate. He was a, what, a Toro Rosso driver. Yeah. You, you, you know when that takes me back to? What? F1 2010 days. Back when I was on that PS3 in year six. Mate, oh, they were the days. Anyway, they so were the days. will Alonso, I got, there's two parts to this question. Does Alonso stay in F1 next season? And the second part of this, will he get that triple crown by winning the the Indianapolis 500? Obviously, this season he wasn't able to compete in it because he did do the Monaco GP, which last year he didn't compete in the Monaco GP because he did the Indy 500. So, does Alonso stay in F1 next season? And will he go on to win the Indianapolis 500 eventually sometime in his racing career and complete the triple crown? Thoughts? Oh, I mean... So first, does he stay in F1 next season? If he gets immediate a, future, well, I mean, if he stays with McLaren, no. If he gets an offer from another team, yes. Um, but yeah, I reckon, I reckon if it doesn't fall, if it doesn't all go to plan and he doesn't, you know, get another contract in F one, I think he will move to one of those, um, notice sports IndyCar. Um, we saw v- what was it a V eight driver, um. Oh, who was the Australian Ambrose? Something Ambrose. Marcus Ambrose. Yeah, he um he competed in IndyCar for a couple of years. Um, a lot, a long time. Yeah, was. he started off in the V8, so then he he went into the IndyCars. Yeah. Right? Um. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it can happen. I mean, he's he's a good enough driver. I mean, he'll stay with Honda, of course, because Honda, uh, you know, are, have an IndyCar team. But I mean, this Le Mans drive that was so good. It was fantastic because when Alonso took over, he took over overnight. Uh, I think it might have been Buemi who made a mistake or Nakashima. I can't remember. It it was one of those. Anyway, they made a mistake. They went wide. And they were down by, I think it was two minutes over their teammates, actually. Their number seven Toyota come. Obviously, they were racing in the the number eight. Then Alonso in his overnight stint, he was fantastic. He reduced the margin to 40 seconds and then... and then they were able to obviously get the win from there, chasing down the number seven car. So, so how long was his night stint? Like four say. or five hours. <laughs> That's sure. crazy. Like, I mean, if you see the, you know, the cockpits, like they look in in the car that he's in, it's like a bloody spaceship. Um, and like you think, oh yeah, he's in the center of the car. He's got a lot of room. But when you know you see the cockpit cam, it's he doesn't have any room whatsoever. He's sitting up, and he's got it's like bar like a uh, roll cage bar shoved up right against his um right arm and it doesn't look comfortable whatsoever so i mean holding for what was it five or six hours stint at night was amazing and then he came back i think it was about, with about six hours to go in the morning and he did a i think it was like a triple um because they were talking and I, I don't know what the timing is for the stints or whatever they said he did it he was going to do a triple stint um yeah yeah. But yeah, so good result for Fernando Alonso. Good to see him getting some silverware. That's what you want to see for Fernando. Such a talented driver. Um, for my thoughts anyway, I think... I'm not too sure. I, I think he will in the Indy 500, but I'm not sure whether or not he stays in F1. I think I think he still loves the sport too much to leave Formula 1, and he still feels he's got some success there to have. So I think he stays next year at, at Honda. Regardless, McLaren, Ooh, whoever okay. he goes to, but I don't know. I, I just got a feeling he's going to stay. I'm not too sure. Anyway, let's get to some comments from the F1 official fan group. All right, first up, 
we've got a comment here. Um, Ferrari friend, potentially. But anyway, uh, it's about Charles Leclerc. So possibly one of the best young no, drivers of this, all yeah. time. Charles Leclerc groomed by Ferrari, but is he ready for a Ferrari drive? Yes or no, James? No. He's not ready? No. Give him another year. Um, I think if he moves up, all right, theoretically speaking, if he if Fernando Alonso leaves and there's a gate open at McLaren, he'll go to McLaren next season. He's not going to go to McLaren. Why would he go to McLaren? He wouldn't stick with Salba. Let's be real. I mean, well, Sauber's Ferrari's sister team. Why would he go to McLaren? Or would he go somewhere else? I mean, it, but whole thing is he he wants results, and Ferrari want to see that he's actually good. So when Kimi goes, Ferrari, why, why wouldn't they take him? Because he's too young and he's too inexperienced. Mm. He's had one. This is his first season of F one, and it's like, I, I know this is a bit far fetched, right? But it's like. You drive a stunt plane, right? Like, as your career, and they're like, oh, yeah, let's chuck him in an F-18 jet. Here you go. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, whoa. Did did they not do that with Max Verstappen? Did Rebel not do that with Max Verstappen? They did. Yeah. But, I mean... So, therefore, my answer is yes, he is ready I to don't drive know. a Ferrari. I don't know. Did you see know. Did you see some of the moves he did in FP... Was it FP2 he was in? I think it was? No, oh, I said free practice too, I just said. In GP2. No. In G- I think he was. I think he was in GP two last year. But some of those moves, I think he came back from the field in like seventh, and he still won the race. It was ridiculous. So I think he is Ooh, ready for Ferrari. He's I've got sh- a good comment here. Yeah, he's shown he's shown the Sauber this uh, this season so far. He's able to exceed their expectations, yeah. get results where they're not really expecting them. So I think he is ready for a Ferrari drive, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ferrari do go for um, Charles Leclerc to partner. Sebastian Vettel, because I feel he'll be a better fit at Ferrari than Daniel Ricciardo would be, because yep. he Charles Leclerc would be able to fit nicely behind Sebastian Vettel, yet yeah. still be able to put in some good performances together. I've got two comments, um, both saying no. One said, not ready. Um, this is from Andrew Cunningham, uh, Red Bull fan, because he's literally just got him in a Red Bull jersey. Um, it says, not ready. It's good to be fast in a lesser team as a beginner. Going to Ferrari brings an entirely new kind of pressure to a driver that young. Next one, um, look at Max. He's lacking in experience and is a total mess, but proves the speed. Charles can't do any worse than him. Um, I-M-H-O. Don't know what that shorthand means, but uh, he's... In my honest opinion. Ah, Amazing. See how old I am? (laughs) <laughs> he's the only driver to fill in the second seat for... Oh, and this is for him. Um, Ferrari f- seat for Ferrari if Kimi leaves um, the team at... Yeah, when he leaves the team at the end of the season. Um, if Crash Stappen was ready, then everyone is ready. Um, yeah, there's people saying, yes, if the immature kid like Max could be promoted, why not him? Uh, he'd flare way better under Vettel's guidance. That's fair. I mean, having Sebastian Vettel probably, you know, a four-time world champion at the end of the season, you know, as your teammate, that's not bad. And how old is he? Twenty? Is he? I don't know. But, yeah, he's young. There are some comments here about Sergio Perez's comments and thoughts about the reasonings behind we're not seeing many overtakes this season, of course, particularly in Canada. He says that the heavy halo 
cockpit protection protection layer is a problem as well as the Pirelli tires. Fans are, I guess, the comments that are coming through are they're agreeing to it to a certain extent, but of course, they're down. For, uh, it's still the um, the aerodynamics and the uh, way they designed the car. So, is that a factor? Do you think still what Sergio said the the tires and the halo cockpit, or is it still the issues that we've addressed earlier? Still the issues we've addressed earlier. So I they, mean, they they play no part really, or some part, but I mean it's not a defining factor. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's all my comments. <laughs> Any other comments from the? Oh, obviously, uh, Roman Grosjean. Uh, I I think I showed you it. Uh, his helmet for the French Grand Prix came out. He's got the French flag. Yeah, his helmet. That looks so it. sick. How good does that look? It looks pretty mad. I mean, he's a pretty classy guy. Um, and he's got a pretty classy helmet for this Grand Prix. Um, yeah, I like it. I mean, you can only have... You can only change one... Um, I think for the drivers, the rule is you can only have one custom helmet per season for one race. So, he's doing it for the French. And I think Daniel Ricciardo last year did it for Mexico. Um, he had like the Day of the Dead sugar skulls on him and on his um, helmet. So it was pretty pretty cool. Uh, but another, well, there's so many. There's a meme of um, Christian Horner in an yeah. interview and it says, uh, when you remember, you're probably going to lose Daniel Ricciardo. But that's another, um, that's for another time. There's, oh, there's, I don't know, like there's, I've right, got, got, got an interesting one here. Okay. Uh, the last time Formula One raced at Paul Ricard, there were 35 cars entered, including cars powered by a W12 and a flat 12 engine. A full grid of 26 cars started, and 18 finishes was unusually high. The podium was a V12, a V8, and a V10. Ooh. Mm. Ooh, that's a fact for you. And, yeah, look, a lot of people saying it's a change. One saying it's a change for the worst. A lot of people liking the old good days. And, yeah, so <laughs> could that happen again? Or is it just not possible at all? It's not possible. Let's be real. Come on. Imagine, but imagine seeing that, though. That'd be cool, seeing cars run V8, V10, V12 engines. Yeah. And would that, hypothetically, would that bring the grid closer together or would that separate them even further than they are already now? It it would be exactly like the Le Mans. I mean, they've got how many safety cars have they got for different like um, classes? Classes like it's ridiculous. Is there like three or four? There's like three yeah. or four classes. I think. I mean, you see those like Honda cars that look like spaceships, and then you see the um, BMW that just looks like Goliath. Like it's like it just looks so big, and those little Honda cars are so small. Um, but I mean, isn't that what uh, the GP, yeah, in, in the Australian um, touring GP cars, um, as we saw in like the, the Grand Prix, they've got like the Ferraris, they've got the BMWs, they've got all these different things, all different kinds of engines. Um, but yeah, no, it will never happen again. I'd like to see it happen. It'd be pretty cool, but probably won't. Anyway, I think that's pretty much it for this week's Pit Stop edition that's of the it. Q3 podcast. Thanks, James. Always a pleasure. We'll be back, of course, on Friday because we will be previewing the French Grand Prix. And that's going to kick off, of course, three Grand Prix in a row, which is 
absolutely fantastic. So do stay tuned until Friday, and we will see you then. Oh, no, I've stuffed the intro up, haven't I, this time? The, um, the what's the, what do you call it? The outro. The outro. The outro. The anyway, outro. till Friday, we will see you at the front of the grid.